This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brianne. Happy December. Can you believe it's December? Because I cannot. Although I kind of can because it's dark at 5 p.m. Um, I opened my newsletter from Meg Conley this week that said, I hope you give yourself permission to not show up in the places that can miss you a bit while you deal with illness or uncertainty or anything else. And when I read that, I just felt like a huge sigh of relief. The past couple weeks was lovely. We celebrated Remy's first birthday, which is also the anniversary of such a momentous, life-changing experience, especially for me. And we were so excited for her to smash the cake. Like, we haven't really bought into all of the traditions, but we were like, yes, we just want to see what she's going to do with this cake. And then that day, she was just not really feeling herself, like such a trooper, so lovely, but just so tired. And we couldn't believe it because normally like we timed the birthday perfectly between her naps. And normally she has major FOMO. She's a little Sagittarius. She brings the joy and is always down for things. But she was like so tired and she would only lie on my chest. So she gave us about five minutes with the cake And she just kind of like stuck her fingers in it and licked them and then danced a little. And it was the cutest five minutes of the day. But the rest of the afternoon and evening and night, she was glued to my chest with a fever. I sat in a cool bath with her and she just could not stay awake. And it was heartbreaking. But also we figured it was a side effect of her one year immunizations that she had had a few days earlier. And so I wasn't all too worried. And thankfully we had infant Tylenol. So we were able to control her fever that way. And I know not everyone is so lucky. So we consider ourselves very fortunate for that. But as it would turn out the following morning, Lucas would wake up with a sore throat and it turns out we had COVID. Thankfully, despite feeling like a broken record, I had everyone at her first birthday wearing masks, and so we didn't give it to anyone. Um, We were able to keep everyone safe. We thought we were wearing the masks to protect Remy. Turns out Remy was one of the culprits, and everyone was protected from her and Lucas and I by wearing masks. So after sort of a rocky week and 10 days, mostly for Lucas, he had the worst bout of it. Mine was really only bad for a day. And then just kind of like a head cold. And Remy was also pretty good. But we are finally on the up and up. We ended up giving it to my parents who generously had come over to help with Remy. They were in town for her birthday. But I feel like I'm finally coming up for air. Being sick is generally not fun. And being sick after a couple years of not really being sick is also not fun. But when you add needing to take care of not just a baby, but a needy sick baby while also being sick is very challenging. And I am just very grateful that we were able to stay healthy this whole time and give Remy a little bit longer to make sure she was a little bit more grown than being like a newborn or super young. And I'm also just really grateful for all the healthcare workers and the vaccine and just the fact that we were lucky enough to get COVID 
after it had mutated several times and is a lot more mild. Lucas was kind of like, I wonder if I would have needed a ventilator if I got this in 2020 because he was pretty sick. But we're all here. We're all doing well. And, you know, I just wanted to remind everyone that COVID's not over. I know I sound like a broken record, but keep wearing your mask. Keep trying to protect others. There's just a lot of scary things happening out there right now. And knowing you can protect a vulnerable person or an immunocompromised person is just a nice feeling. And I think that after being sick, I thought I would feel a sense of invincibility. Like we did it. We got the COVID and now we can do whatever. But I think we actually feel like we are ready to never get sick again and plan to hibernate in our condo for another winter and watch a lot of great TV. I have been obsessed with the second season of White Lotus, and this entire episode is going to be devoted to that. I have been really enjoying the gossip and the theories throughout the very long week between each episode. Um, If you don't watch the show, it follows a group of guests at a fancy hotel in Sicily, and it explores like the themes of privilege, impulsive behaviors, love and lust, dysfunctional relationships and families. And my mind is constantly being blown by how Mike White, he's the writer, draws out the character development so well, like it's so intense. Because sometimes I think if I were to explain what happened in an episode, it wouldn't really seem like much to someone who doesn't watch the show, yet it's the most intense hour of my week. Remember back in the day when we used to watch an episode each week? You get to watch the show with the rest of the world and you get to be part of all like the theories and discussions. And I really miss that because when an entire season gets released, we all just sort of like binge watch it all. And then it's all we talk about for a little bit and then it kind of fizzles out. But I feel like this one has really been drawn out because there's been a multitude of theories each week and then some of them end up coming true, some don't but it sends our brains on a, such a fun adventure. Plus, sometimes I read some of the theories and I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so much smarter than me. That totally went over my head. There's just been so much intention and that has been put into so many of the details on this show that I've been very appreciative of all the people on the internet who just seem to know or observe way more than I do. So without further ado, let's launch into White Lotus. Please note that there are spoilers ahead. So if you don't want to hear about season two or you're not caught up before the finale this weekend, just do not keep listening. This is your warning. So as you know, the season finale is airing this Sunday night, December 11th, and there are so many theories floating, but I want to share mine and what I've read, and just some of my thoughts on the show so far, to, you know, just scratch some of your itches in terms of just needing to talk about White Lotus, because I know you're with me. It's such a great show. Okay, so let's just get right into it. First, we have Tanya, and in the last episode, she did a lot of drugs, partied with the gays, and is having sex or fooling around with the Italian style in Niccolo. So there was already a theory on the internet a while ago that Quentin, sort of like the leader of the gays, 
that his long-lost cowboy lover, that heterosexual lover he refers to from many, many years ago, that the cowboy is Tanya's husband, Greg. And most people on the internet definitely think that they want her wealth. So Quentin and Greg are conspiring together to gain her wealth or Greg wants her wealth. And since Quentin is willing to do anything for him, his long lost love, um, that he will play a part in this and then get some of the money. The internet also seems to think that there's sort of like a red light flashing in the scene at the end where she's hooking up with the Italian stallion and the way that the camera sort of pans out or like backs up kind of alludes to the fact that they're being filmed and the reason that many people think they're being filmed is because there's potentially a prenup that protects her wealth but there's often like a clause or it it's void if there's infidelity. So most people think that because they filmed her cheating, they'll be able to extort her. And then Greg will be entitled to some of her $500 million wealth. He'll pay Quentin, Jack, the gays, and everyone's off to the races. I think that Tanya has to die. I'm just, I have this feeling a lot of people on the internet also agree. So I'm not I'm not trying to be the hero, but I think Tanya's going to die. I think they want us to think they might murder her for her money, but I feel like why would they go through this whole elaborate plan then and like filming her having sex and all this stuff? I think they're either going to murder her and frame it as a suicide, or unfortunately, I think it might actually just be a suicide. They're going to kind of like drive her to the brink of collapse and then she takes her own life. And don't get me wrong, I don't want her to die. But from the very beginning, there's been a theory that Laura Dern is going to come and be the new Jennifer Coolidge. So there's always been a theory that Tanya, aka Jennifer Coolidge, would die. But I will say that all of this could be a red herring. You know, obviously Mike White is trying to get us to think that this is what's going to happen. And maybe no one from that storyline dies. Who knows? So something that was interesting is I always watch the show with subtitles because I don't like my TV too loud and sometimes I miss things. Maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. But when she speaks with a psychic, some subtitles came on the screen only because I was watching the English subtitles, but I don't think to the average person what the psychic said in Italian necessarily came up, but the psychic alludes to suicide. So that is something that's very interesting. We also know that Portia has been kept away from Tanya, so she won't be able to corroborate her story or be able to help her. I mean, I know I would love for Portia to just leave Jack the drunk dud and like come and save Tanya, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. Portia, however, clearly has caught on to Jack maybe that he's not who he says he is, maybe that he's not his nephew, and maybe that his accent that and attractiveness that kind of just swooned her is not the whole picture. But she also kind of feels trapped now because I'm not sure if she knows how to get back to Tanya or if she knows where they are or even how to drive. Um, 
there. So there's, there's many things. I want her to come and save Tanya, but I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I really do hope she leaves while Jack has passed out. And also one question is, what is this hole that Jack is referring to? Like he was in a really bad hole and Quentin got him out. Anyway, that's just a side note. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts. Next up is the awkward foursome. This is the storyline that really stole the show. In my opinion, I feel like this must've been the most fun to write. And maybe that's because it's the most sort of like relatable to most people because many people are, are in a relationship and many people can see themselves in the various dysfunctions within marital or romantic relationships. So we've Harper and we have loved Harper. She has had some great moments and she so desperately wanted to hate Cameron and Daphne. And I feel like in the beginning, she sort of thought that they were this like super simple, we don't even vote, we don't care about world issues couple. And as time has passed and she's been able to get to know them better, I think she's realizing that they actually have the more mature relationship of the two couples. She's obviously trying to make Ethan jealous to either get back at him or to get him back between like the hat excuse, which she isn't even wearing in the next scene. And then the door being open between their adjoined rooms. It's all some sort of like ploy to mess with Ethan. I don't think she actually did anything with Cameron. One, because she's like clearly hated him forever. Two, he goes against like so much of what she stands for. And if she was really like sex deprived, because clearly her and Ethan haven't really had much sex or that part of their relationship has kind of died. I don't feel like it would be Cameron that she would turn to. Three, I think it's also just too risky in that brief moment where Ethan goes for a swim and Daphne's at a massage that like one of them could come back or whatever. Four, I feel like the show would show us like we've seen everything. Why hide that that happened? I don't know. That's just my thought. Number five, she can make Ethan jealous clearly without actually doing it. So why bother actually doing it, right? And I will say someone pointed this out on Reddit and it is really smart. There's an interesting an interesting observation between male jealousy and female jealousy. So Harper actually had reason to be jealous and upset because Ethan potentially participated in drugs and hookers. And he tells her basically to just trust him and forget about it and not make a big deal about it. But when he's faced with a much less likely situation, or at least no drugs and hookers were involved, he completely like boils over with his like jealousy and visualizing scenarios and like kind of snapping about it. So it's just kind of an interesting point. And obviously, I'm sure he's like freaking out more, not because of what might have happened, but who it's with. I get the sense that Cameron has always kind of made him feel insecure or like not good enough or not hot enough because Cameron's able to probably sleep with everyone he's ever wanted to sleep with. And probably all the women that Ethan ever had a crush on, Cameron has probably slept with. I don't know. There was also some weird like homoerotic tension between them in one scene. So who knows if maybe they've also like slept together or something. And I think this trip, Ethan was really hoping that he was going to gain the approval of Cameron. You know, he's making all this money now. 
he has Harper and yet somehow he still kind of feels like the loser who's worried that Cameron's now sleeping with his wife. And there's also a theory on the internet, but I, I couldn't find out too much about it yet. But there's a theory that Harper and Cameron are conspiring to get Ethan's money together. So there's one kind of comment in one of the earlier episodes where Cameron mentions someone that Harper also knows. And she says, oh, I'm surprised he's not disbarred or something. Tell him I say hi, something like that. So some people think that perhaps Cameron and Harper know each other separately or outside of Ethan, which could be interesting. And then there's also this talk about what kind of lawyer she is and how she deals with employment and labor laws. And then he says that he's dealing with some bogus claims right now. And she's like, they're not all bogus. And I don't know if that's just kind of like harmless, kind of flirty banter, like, you know, kind of just like she's sassy, whatever, or if there's more to it and she knows She's worked on the legal side of some of his, the bogus claims that he's referring to, or she's kind of like helped one of his employees that has, you know, he's not great, whatever, or that they're working together and they both want Ethan's money. That seems a bit far-fetched to me, but I'm here to share it all. So there you go. I do feel a bit like Ethan is boiling over. In the trailer, there's a little quick little clip of Ethan sort of like pushing Cameron underwater while they are swimming. We obviously haven't seen that scene yet. It could be like just an outtake or something to kind of make us think something's going to happen. But I do definitely think Ethan has the potential to like snap. Daphne has really become a favorite character for me and I think a lot of people. In the beginning, she seemed really sort of like superficial and now we're learning that she's super layered, super complex. She's just, there's a lot to her. There's many layers that we're slowly peeling back. And while everyone else at White Lotus seems to be basically falling apart, she's honestly just living her best life. Like, was this part of her master plan all along? Did she know that bringing you know, Cameron, Harper, and Ethan together on this trip, that this would happen. Is she the murderer of someone? Does she murder Cameron finally? Um, who knows? One note, in an early episode, she ref- she references Dateline and how often husbands kill their wives on vacation. Is that foreshadowing? Or does she have some sort of obsession with murders and spousal murders on vacation? I don't feel like anything in this show is ever put into the show without serious thought and intention. So unless it's just like a red herring or something to make us think something so that a curveball can be thrown at us, or it is foreshadowing. Also, another note, her trainer. She's coping with her husband's behavior by, quote, doing what she needs to feel good. Many people on the internet bless them because this went totally over my head. So Daphne's talking about how she has a trainer and he's blonde, blue-eyed, who she sleeps with. And then she's like, Harper, do you want to see a picture? And proceeds to show her a picture of her kids, one of whom has blonde hair and blue eyes. Is it just like a drunken mistake or is at least one of her kids actually her trainer's baby? Most people definitely are in the camp of believing that one of the kids belongs to her trainer, which only tells us that Daphne 
is capable of so much more than we would have ever imagined in episode one when we first met her. And we love that. We love watching characters grow, you know? So in the opening scene of this season, Daphne is just like chatting up two gals who just arrived at White Lotus. One theory that does seem a bit far-fetched to me, but who knows, says that the two girls are dressed in similar outfits and colors as Lucia and Mia are wearing in episode one. And then when Daphne says like, oh my gosh, you're going to love it here. You're going to die. They're going to have to drag you out of here. Some people think that that's symbolism that Lucia and Mia are two of the characters that are going to die, which would make sense given that sort of the trope of the weaker, poorer people are often the ones who suffer or die. So Daphne's chatting with those two gals, then she goes for a dip, which already is kind of odd because she hasn't really swam at all in any of the earlier episodes, and she definitely has not gotten her hair wet, and suddenly she's, you know, just taking a dip in the ocean and comes across a dead body. Many people believe that she's responsible potentially for killing her husband, but also that she's chatting with those two ladies to really have an alibi. She wants to make sure they remember talking with her. She was at the beach. She couldn't be responsible for anything. I don't think that the body she comes across is a body she's responsible for. I do think that's just totally out of the blue. Many people think that the leg that you see in the episode is relatively fair-skinned and smooth. So they think it belongs to a woman, potentially Mia. We don't think that Daphne knows this person or her reaction may have been quite different. She also runs back to the beach and you can see that she hugs someone, which isn't apparently Cameron, which is interesting um, because in the shot before when she's talking with the the women, a couple people over on the on the sun chairs um there's a man with a certain pattern of swim trunk and he's the man that's hugging her later so some people think that that could be the trainer i don't think that but it's definitely not cameron that she's hugging another person also pointed out that there are her louis vuitton bag and another beige and white bag that Harper's seen wearing in other scenes. So they think she and Harper were sitting there together, but that bag is apparently just the generic white Lotus bag that they give you upon check-in or like in your room or whatever. So even though Harper has been seen wearing that bag, she it doesn't necessarily mean that it's her bag that's there. And you can only see one Aperol spritz. So it doesn't really tell us much is basically what we're saying because either Harper was there, now she's not, or it's not Harper's bag, or it's part of a facade that she wanted to seem like Harper was there. We don't really know. But once again, the people on the internet are so much more observant than me. As for the Lucia and Mia theory that they might be the ones that die, I'm going to talk about them in a little bit. I don't necessarily think that the theory of it being true because the two women might be dressed like them But I do believe that Daphne could potentially be the murderer or a murderer, mostly because it would be really unexpected and potentially because she wants to really get back at Cameron once and for all. 
Cameron has always kind of seemed like the bad guy. He came into like wealth and with wealth comes power and ego and he's kind of narcissistic. He's this sort of cheating partner. He never seems to mention his kids. But some people on Reddit seem to think that maybe he's actually insecure and has some of these sort of abandonment and whatever issues she's mentioned because of how he's treated by Daphne. I think it's evident, or at least the show wants us to think, that he doesn't seem to have the money he claims he has. He hasn't paid Lucia for their drugs and their night together. He seems to put everything on his credit card. It's kind of weird. His luggage went missing. He's in all these like employment lawsuits that are apparently bogus claims. And he does kind of mention to Ethan that he wants Ethan to invest in him. So it's very plausible that he does not seem to have the wealth he initially once had or has now. But again, I don't really know how this will all play out. I do think someone from this foursome dies. And I definitely don't think it's our platonic ideal survivor, as someone on Reddit referred to Daphne as. Then we have the Bert Dom Alby story with Lucia and Alessio and Mia, of course. So when Lucia and Alby first slept together, Alby did not realize that she was a sex worker. And I think in that moment, Lucia realized just how naive he really was. She understood that he already kind of had like the savior complex of wanting to, you know, help the wounded, the wounded soul, but that he also was wealthy given that she knows who his father is, but also that he would be naive enough to believe that she needs to pay Alessio money for her own safety. We do know in episode one that Lucia and Alessio seem friendly with each other. It isn't until she and Albie sleep together that he sort of just like pops out of nowhere. And I think it's pretty safe to assume that they are likely conspiring together to con Albie and his dad and grandfather. I don't know if it seems obvious or if I just live on the internet. And so a lot of these theories are starting to seem obvious, but maybe had I not been reading them and participating in these, in these discussions, maybe they wouldn't seem so obvious. So I don't really know, but it is apparent that Lucia either needs this money because she is in danger with needing to pay back Alessio, or this is all part of her master plan to finally make her dream come true and move to California. I also, <laughs> just as a side note, I loved the scene where the three men just show up at this random house that apparently could belong to someone in their family. So they're in this like super small town. Lucia tells them to go to this address and then the three of them go together. They speak no word of Italian and they show up these two women are on the porch and they're like, can we speak to your mother? They they come with no gifts, no women with them, no ability to speak the language. They're just, I think they're genuinely just romanticizing this idea and expecting to be met with love and, you know, a home cooked meal and stories from their past. And yeah, it's just funny because the women are like, we don't need men. And the mother comes out and she's like, I will throw this artichoke at your head. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, I think Dom really expected his wife to plan this whole reunion and this whole trip. They didn't really seem to research the town. They didn't plan anything. They didn't get a translator. And, you know, this sort of shows the emotional labor that women generally in do so invisibly. Like there's so much invisible labor that women just 
do. It's not about just booking flights and showing up on a trip. It's figuring out all the details in between. And when the women, namely Dom's wife or estranged wife, Laura Dern, didn't end up coming on this trip, I think like the beautiful reunion that could have happened just obviously wouldn't. And yeah, the only thing that Dom actually planned was in advance was his escort, which is just so telling of who he is. So we, as in the collective internet, we think that Laura Dern will show up in the last episode. Everyone's been rooting for this since the theory came out at the start. So if you're not familiar with the Laura Dern theory, Dom is on the phone in the first episode and he's talking to his sort of like estranged wife who sounds really upset. And that voice is Laura Dern. And she's worked with the writer director, Mike White on other projects. So everyone was really excited for her to potentially come back. And I think if she's going to make an appearance on the season finale, it's a going to be really freaking good. And B, she would only come all the way to Sicily if someone died. I don't think she would come all the way to Sicily if Grandpa Bert died. So I may be ruling him out. Also, he's just, it would be almost too obvious because he keeps falling and apparently like hitting his head anyway. So I, I just don't know if that would be the way he would die. Plus, he's such an esteemed actor that I don't think that they would maybe treat him like that. I don't know. I do think it could be Dom who dies and she flies out to be there to support Albie and deal with the logistics of that. Dom could potentially be trying to protect the family and there's some sort of altercation between him and Alessio. They realize like the plan sort of gets out of hand and maybe Alessio kills him and Lucia is kind of just like, this is not what I ever wanted to happen. Like we were just trying to get some money. Not really sure. Lucia also could die as a result of this sort of weird family dynamic that she's part of. I hope not because I really wanted the best for her, but I could see her being sort of like a pawn in their game. And, you know, they're like the wealthy, privileged dudes. And generally they come out on top. So as for Lucia's sidekick, Mia, a lot of people seem to think she dies. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would make sense in that she's sort of like the hopeless dreamer and that's often who dies in these sort of shows or like historically the trope of the innocent like dreamer type. So some people think that Giuseppe could come back. He's the one who was the original musician in the hotel bar and Mia gave him a different drug by accident that wasn't Viagra, which sent him into the hospital maybe almost dying, having a stroke, something. And potentially he's coming back for revenge because he's humiliated and embarrassed. And so he kills her. I mean, that seems like a, a lot to me, but at this point it's anybody's game, you know, who knows? Another theory is that Ethan did actually sleep with Mia that night. So the night that Harper and Daphne spend in Noto at the Palazzo, Obviously, we remember Cameron and Ethan hung out with Lucia and Mia and they did like Molly together and then Cameron slept with Lucia. And what we see is Ethan kind of like upset, sort of like, I don't even know how to describe it, like sitting in a corner, not wanting to participate. But we don't really know exactly what happened after that. And so there's speculation that 
he did actually sleep with Mia. And when he snaps, maybe he did actually kill her because after that night is when everything kind of went to shit. That's when he was acting weird. And then Harper was acting weird because she found the condom wrapper. And then they realized they were in sort of like this sexless marriage and yeah, everything kind of fell apart. So maybe when he snaps, Mia is the one who is the unfortunate victim. All this to say Mike White has done an incredible job this season creating these like multi-dimensional, real, complex characters. And I rewatched episode one the other day and seeing all the guests when they first arrive and then seeing where they are now, only six episodes later, is just wild. At this point, they all seem kind of at the brink of snapping or conning or being conned. What a ride. I am so excited for the season finale this Sunday night. I will be watching it the second it's airing and I would love to hear what your thoughts are on White Lotus. We have a few more days before the finale comes out. Please share your thoughts with me on Instagram. I'm over at Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, or my personal Instagram at Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, Brienne, B-R-E-A-N-N-E. This has been such a fun show. Thank you so much to Lucas for editing and thank you so much to everyone on the internet, on Reddit, on TikTok, everyone who has been sharing their theories there and their thoughts. It has really just been so invigorating for my brain to have something fun that's not real life to just focus on, just some like fictional fun, we'll call it. Thank you to Mike Halleck for the music. And remember, you can only meet someone as deep as you've met yourself. Thank you so much for listening.